If you've experienced a DNA surprise, you know that your emotions can range from shock to denial to grief to anger to confusion to joy and around again. And sometimes it's hard to find people who understand this unique experience. Sometimes we feel a little stuck as we navigate this journey. That's why we created the DNA Surprise Retreat. At the DNA Surprise Retreat, you'll enjoy six expert-led sessions to help you process your DNA surprise. You'll eat delicious catered meals, and most importantly, you'll build beautiful friendships with people who understand you, all in a stunning private ranch facility in the Arizona desert. If you've had shocking DNA test results, know that you're not alone. This retreat is for you. Join us September 19th through the 22nd, 2024 in Phoenix, Arizona. Registration is open now. Reserve your space at dnasurpriseretreat.com. I'll see you there. One thing I do know, uh, because my mom told me this, like in the course of my life, is that she was pregnant for almost six months before she told my dad. I kind of surmised growing up that it was because they only planned on two kids. They just bought a house. He worked in a factory. You know, they didn't have money. She was a secretary, you know, so I thought it was more like, how am I going to tell him that I'm going to have a baby? What are we, you know, it's going to be a financial burden kind of thing. When I think the reality was that my birth father had shocking red hair and a face full of freckles, and she was worried that I was going to look like that. Imagine spitting into a tube, sending off your DNA, and unknowingly turning your life upside down. For me and thousands of others, this is our reality. I'm your host, Alexis Auerselt. In July of 2021, I discovered that I am an NPE, someone who has experienced a non-paternal event. In other words, my biological father isn't who I thought he was. This podcast shares the journeys of people who were shocked by a DNA discovery, mostly through modern DNA testing. We're telling the stories of NPEs, adoptees, and donor-conceived people and their families. This is DNA Surprises. Have you ever wondered about the first NPEs who found out through commercial DNA tests? In this week's episode, Annie shares how she began her journey a decade ago. She shares how she figured out who her father is and how she has made connections with her newfound family. She also offers perspective on her mother's choice. Thank you for sharing your story, Annie. Um, My name's Annie. I'm 60, and I am from uh, New York City. I had been a member of Ancestry for quite a long time, uh, probably since before the year 2000. And in 2000, the Ellis Island records came online. Uh, And my dad uh, was a first-generation American. His parents were from Naples. So I did a search of the the Ellis Island records, and I found a ship's manifest 
with his mother on it. Um, she was, uh, 10 years old and she came with her four sisters and their mother in 19, I think it was 1908, 1909, thereabouts. Their father was already here in the U.S. with his brothers. So they, I guess back then they would, uh, the, the, the husbands would come and they'd set up and they'd kind of send money back home and bring their families later on. Um, so when I found her, I got really, really excited about that and really got into doing, uh, genealogy and I did, you know, ancestry actually made that very easy because a lot of the records were, um, in their database already. Off and on over the years, I did, uh, my research and, you know, added to my trees and, um, in 2012, uh, ancestry first introduced the at-home DNA test. And what they did was contacted current members. They said, we're going to be introducing these tests in the next few months. Would you be interested in being like one of the first to take a DNA test? So I said, well, yeah, for sure. Um, because I wasn't finding a lot of information uh, on the Italian side, like the records and things like that. Um, and I just wanted, I thought it would kind of connect me with, with those roots. So uh, in May of 2012, they sent me a test and, um, I took it and about two months later, the results came back and it showed that instead of being half Irish and half Italian, it showed me as being basically a hundred percent Irish. My mom is Irish and, you know, back, I didn't know how to read centimorgans and percentages and I didn't know what any of the stuff meant because they kind of just said, here's spit in this tube and we'll get back to you. Right. So uh, I just kind of brushed it off and said, well, you know, I guess there's not that many people that took the test yet. And as more people take it, if it takes off, then I guess this will kind of work itself out. And, you know, I just kind of, kind of continued on with my life and off and on. I'd go back to Ancestry. I'd cancel. I'd renew you know, the subscription, depending on where I was in, in research. And um, it was kind of an off and on hobby uh, throughout that time. So in 2015, I got a message from, through Ancestry's messaging system, a woman named Shannon. And Shannon sent me a message and said, hi, you know, we're a pretty close match on Ancestry. And um, I can't seem to find you or fit you into my tree. Do you have any idea how we might be related? I can't say whether or not they changed the way that they would present the results, but I went in and I looked at my DNA matches and I saw that she was a pretty high match, uh, around 300 centimorgans and it said second cousin. So I, I looked at, I went to her tree and she had this huge tree, like 3000 people in her tree and it looked pretty well researched and I looked through and I didn't see any familiar names. You know, I, I, I really kind of was focused in more on names than anything else. So I wrote her back and I said, well, I said, I, I really have no idea. You know, I don't know that much of my mom's family because I didn't grow up with them. Um, my mom had, she had one sister and her sister had no kids. Um, they had cousins that we never really met and we never, I knew names, but I didn't know them um, as my family. So I grew up with, with the Italian side of my family. And uh, 
So I said to Shannon, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I really don't have any idea if I can figure it out at any point. I'll get back to you. So, um, that was the end of that. And now I started looking closer at these matches and, you know, because a number of years had gone by at this point, like three or four years, I was looking through these matches and I was seeing names on my mom's side that I knew. Um, and I wasn't, I still wasn't Italian and I still wasn't seeing any Italian matches. And that's when I first thought there's something wrong here. This is not, this isn't right at, at in three years, I should have gotten some Italian matches, you know, not necessarily some people with my last name, but at least people from Italy. And there were none. Um, mm-hmm. And it still said I was almost 100% Irish. So I started to look a little closer around that time, maybe within a few months, a year, my wife decided she was going to take a DNA test. And she took her test. And by mistake, she ordered two tests. So she took her test. Her test came back as, as she expected. She was German, Irish, Swedish, like all this mixture of Eastern and Northern European uh, folks. And she was matching people on both sides of her family. So since we had an extra test, I called my sister. And I said, you know, I took this test. The results are not making sense to me. Would you be willing to take a test if I sent it to you. So she said that she would. Now, my mom and dad were both long gone. Um, okay. I We did have a brother. He died in 2006, so way before I took any DNA tests. And none of us had any kids. So my sister was really the only one that I could ask. And she took the test, and she came back basically half Irish and half Italian. So that kind of solidified for me that, this is a problem and either there's something wrong with my test or there's something wrong with my heritage. So as a lot of people in our position do, I called ancestry and I was kind of, uh, you know, pretty, pretty annoyed with them that they would, they would take have me take this test that wasn't really accurate. And they assured me that their test was well, almost a hundred percent accurate that there wasn't a mistake. I said, well, if there's a mistake, what can you do for me? Can you refund my money? Can you, they said, well, we can't refund your money because that's basically a lab fee, but we'll give you a, um, a, a discount on your subscriptions. So then I ordered a 23andMe test and the results came back the same. And it was Irish and all these people that I didn't know. And I, I was kind of like, this is, I guess a needle in a haystack because there's nobody I can ask and I don't know who any of these people are. And I wasn't in a position at the time emotionally or mentally to reach out to strangers to say, Hey, I don't know who my dad is. Are you my dad? You know what I mean? It's, you know, you know, I didn't know what to do. Right. I didn't know what to do. I'm like, I, I, my, everybody in my mom's family is gone. You know, they, nobody's there for me to even ask. And what, what was your sister's reaction? Because you basically found out then that you are, you know, not Italian, as you'd believe, right. and also that your sister is not your half-sister. Correct. So what was that like? Her reaction was um, intrigue. 
more than anything. Um, you know, neither one of us were particularly close with our parents. It, I guess it was, I guess if I had to say it was more like unexpected in that our mother was not that way. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, she was, she worked. You know, my sister is six years older than me. My brother was nine years older than me. And when I was born, she was a working mom with two little kids. And it's like, you know, when, when did you have the time to do um, anything like this? They had, my, my parents had just bought a house probably a year and a half before I was born. You know, so they were little, my dad worked in a factory. It wasn't like they had no like social life where they would, you know, go out and, uh, you know, she was on a bowling team. That was about it. And, you know, they didn't really do anything outside of, of just kind of being parents and, you know, trying to raise their kids. So it was more like finding it hard to believe simply because the circumstances didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So I kind of resigned myself to it being a needle in a haystack. And unless someone took a test that was close enough to me, like a sibling or first cousin, you know, I can only sit and wait and hope that something would happen and someone would take a test that could give me some answers. I went on with, you know, doing research and kind of like, I don't even know what to do with this information right now. And um, there were really no Facebook groups like that at that point. You know, this was all very new um, Mm -hmm. to everybody. A couple of years go by in 2017, I finally get a hit that says first cousin. So I'm like, well, first cousin, here we go. You know, this is someone I can now maybe reach out to and get some information. So the guy's name was Ed and I sent Ed a message and I said, you know, this might sound funny. I said, but I had some um, weird things in my DNA results and we come up as a close match. You know, and now at this point I know more how to read the results and how to do my matches and separate them out. And what does this number mean? And what does that mean? And I said, can you just, uh, can I just ask you, does your mom, did your mom have any brothers? So he immediately answered me back and he said, oh yeah, my mom had two brothers. They were priests. I said, oh, you got to be kidding me. (laughs) (laughs) Not the answer you were expecting. No way. No way. Was this, did this make, it it made it even more confusing than it, than it was before. So he said, you know what? He said, "Um, my sister knows more about this than I do. Um, Let me get in touch with her and we'll get back to you. So a few days went by. And uh, he had a small tree on Ancestry uh, that basically consisted of his, his mom, his aunts and uncles, his parents, um, and, and other people like on the other side of the family. I start looking at the information that I get from him, and I, saw, and I see a name that kind of rang a bell. And I said, wait a minute, I know that name. That's Shannon that contacted me two years ago on this guy Ed's tree. So I go over to Shannon's tree and I look at her tree and I see Ed. Well, I don't see Ed because he's, he's alive, but I see Ed's mother and Ed's, Ed's family on Shannon's tree. So I email Ed back and I said, Hey, you know, do you know this woman, Shannon? And he says, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're second cousins. Well, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> so I look at, 
their information and they don't uh, match. They don't DNA match. So I look closer and I realize that Ed's mother has a number of sisters and one of Ed's mother's sisters married Shannon's, one of Shannon's father's brothers. So Ed's aunt and Shannon's uncle were my grandparents. Wow. And yeah, so this kind of fell into my lap in like less than a week. In a matter of days, my, my grandparents were handed to me. So my grandparents had five kids, um, two girls and three boys. So now I have three boys to figure out which one, which one is my dad. So I start looking at all of them. Um, two of the, two of the boys are, are deceased. One is still alive and the two girls are still alive. So I start corresponding with Ed. He says, uh, listen, I'm going to be going. My wife and I are retired and we're going to be, uh, going down to Florida. So this was about, uh, I want to say October, November of 2017. So he said, um, we go down to Florida in the winter and we'll be visiting with one of uh, your grandparents' daughters. So the oldest daughter, my aunt, who lives in Florida, and Ed and his wife would be visiting. He said, I'll see what I could do about kind of bringing this up so maybe we can help you figure out which one is your birth father. Fast forward a few months and they go to Florida to visit. And I had given Ed a lot of information. My mom worked here and she was on a bowling league. This is where we lived. This is where she worked. She worked in New Jersey. She worked here. So Ed goes down to Florida and he visits with my aunt. Her name is Jackie. They're at Jackie's house. He couldn't bring it up with Jackie. She's, she just, she actually just turned 90. In November, so she was mm-hmm. about eighty six, eighty seven years old. Sharp as a sharp as a tack, you know. She wasn't like a doddering old lady, but you know, she's still an old an old Catholic lady who didn't want to really hear about her brother. Right. So, um, <laughs> so Ed ended up telling her her daughter uh, Kira um, about me. And Kira said, well, I'll see what I can do. I'd like to talk to her, meaning me. I'd like to talk to Annie and, you know, kind of, you know, kind of get to know her a little bit, but I'll definitely bring it up with my mom. Um, now Kira's adopted. So I couldn't take it. I couldn't ask Kira to take a test because it wouldn't help me, but she did try to bring it, bring it up with her mom. And her mom's first reaction was, nope, my brothers are gone. I don't want to talk about it. It's none of my business. I, I don't want to talk about it. She, she contacted me. She said, listen, I, I'll get her to come around. You know, we'll, we'll help you however we can help you to figure out who this is. Because being adopted, she knows what it's like right. to not know who your, who your parents are. Yeah, she could empathize. Yeah. Right. Totally. I mean, it would, it, I couldn't have asked for a better person to be the first contact in this family. A couple of months later, Ed is still in Florida and it's Easter. So Ed and his wife go to Jackie's house for Easter. And there was another uh, guest at Jackie's house, someone named Emma. And Emma was the daughter of one of the three sons. So uh, they get to talking and Ed's wife says to Emma, Oh, didn't your dad work at 
IBM. And Emma says, oh, no, no. My dad worked at Sinclair and Valentine. And that's where my mom worked. Mm -hmm. So that's how we figured out which of the three was my birth father. A few months after that, another brother was definitely eliminated because one of his kids took a DNA test and she came up as a first cousin. It kind of dropped into my lap and um, I I was able to identify who he was. Um, You know, an email to Ed gave me an answer in a couple months and I wouldn't have been able to figure it out without Ed or Shannon's uh, help. Did you get to connect with your sister, your half-sister? No, I have uh, six six siblings from my birth father. And uh, in in this period of time, um, I managed to find various DNA groups on Facebook that I joined. um, And, you know, I didn't know really what to do um, at that point. They didn't mention me to Emma. Um, because okay. it wasn't, you know, they didn't think it was, uh, really appropriate and, and that's fine. I, I didn't expect them to say, Hey, guess what? <laughs> you right. have another sister, you know, that's, that's right. not really a good kind of way to handle that. So, uh, so their mother is still alive. My sibling's mother is still alive. Mm. It took me a while. I, I, I started crafting a letter to, uh, my siblings and. It took a few months. I, I, I wouldn't delete it, but I'd edit it. I'd add to it. I'd take away from it. You know, and, and um, I didn't know if I was ever going to send it. And I didn't even know how to really reach any of them other than trying to go on to like a, a, a you know, one of these background check uh, websites that look for people's addresses. So by now I'm in um, a couple of different DNA, you know, like NTE groups. And I start uh, speaking, you know, like kind of connecting with uh, some people in the groups and having little meetups and all that stuff. So someone in one of the groups was able to get a couple of addresses for me. I actually was uh, doing research on my tree, on the uh, paternal tree, because I I made a whole separate tree uh, just for that family. And... um, I was attaching photos because I I was able to meet Shannon a few times and her sister, and we became very close. Um, They helped me so much with family information. They they had been doing this kind of stuff even long before Ancestry, like the old-fashioned way where you go to the library and look through dusty books and um, look through all the old Shannon's records, sister. yeah. Right, right. And Shannon's sister actually had a whole room in her house where everybody was on a, a, a post-it note on a tree on the wall and that kind of thing. They had a lot of information and, and just stuff that they knew. So anyway, back to, back to the pictures, I started adding photos to, my, to, to the people on the tree. So I get um, a comment on one of the photos. Uh, I had put it on the tree as a great-grandfather, uh, but it was actually a grandfather. And somebody commented on the tree that it was an error, and uh, they didn't know who I was. So I kind of took it as a sign that maybe it was time to finalize my letter. So I wrote the person back, and it turned out to be the wife of one of my brothers. 
so it was her account. So it was under her name, but it was his, he was, she, she wrote me back. She said, Oh, that was my husband, Mark. He, he was working on his tree and he came across this photo. I said, Oh, thanks. Thanks for correcting it. I'll, I'll, I'll make that change. But I took that as a sign, uh, uh, you know, maybe it's time to send the letter. So I was able to get Mark's address and he lives within two hours of where I live. So I took the letter. I took pictures of myself over the course of my life as a, as a baby, as a, you know, a, a child, as a teenager, recent photos. And I included them and I got his address. And I said, asked him a letter. I gave him my email address and I waited. And about two weeks later, he responded by email. And um, it was basically, uh, we're, we're very shocked. I shared it with my siblings. We can, con- we can communicate by email. He gave me a little bit of information um, on medical stuff of his own. He said, my siblings aren't ready to share anything like that with you. So if you want to get in touch with me, you can email me. So like, well, it's not a complete shut door, but you know, mm-hmm. like they're kind of just peeking through the blinds at this point. Yeah. You know? How did you feel when you read that? Uh, there was disappointment. Um, but I wasn't really surprised and really for a number of reasons. Um, one being that their mother is alive. And I, I made it clear in my letter, I'm not looking to cause any disruption in anyone's family. I'm not looking to insert myself any place. I'm certainly not looking to hurt anybody, especially your mother. I don't, I wouldn't want her to find out. I have no reason to even, you know, have her find out nothing like that. I said, you know, rest assured, I'm not looking for anything. I'm not looking for anyone, I'm just looking at this point for information. And if it can go further than that, then that's kind of gravy for me. You know, like putting it all on me. You know, if you don't want to, I'm, I'm good with that. If you do, great. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I think another reason uh, that they kind of hesitated, and I, I came to this conclusion in conversations with people in the family that my birth father was very highly regarded in the family and his kids had him up on a pedestal. Um, and when I showed up, it really knocked him down, especially Emma, who's the oldest daughter, the oldest, she's the oldest. But I think another reason was that my closest brother is nine months older than me, almost mm-hmm. to the day. And my next closest brother is 10 months younger than me. So seeing as how most people can do math, they right. knew that when their brother was being born, their father was screwing around with someone other than their mother. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was conceived the week he was born. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that's if they have this high image of their father and then the reality is their father had an affair. Um, with your mother. Okay. With my mother. I don't know if it was a one night stand. I don't know how long it went on. I have no idea. It could have been a holiday party, one time thing. I don't really know. Did you suspect anything as a child? 
um, I didn't suspect anything like that. I just knew I didn't, I felt like I never fit in. Right. You know, I always felt like I wasn't like them, but I didn't know why it never occurred to me that that was the reason. So your, your siblings kind of crack the door. They don't close it, but they say we're going to stay to email communication. Has your relationship since grown anymore or where are you at now? Not really. Um, in uh, early 2019, so probably six or seven months later, um, my friends and I were in uh, Philadelphia, and he—I knew that he worked in that area. Um, and on a whim, I emailed him. We were there for a weekend. And on a whim, I emailed him, and I said, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm in the area. Would you be interested in meeting for a cup of coffee?" And I just figured either I wasn't going to hear from him or he was just going to say no or whatever. But he emailed me back right away. And so he made a reservation for a restaurant in downtown and we met. Um, It was a pleasant meeting. We sat for about two hours, had some breakfast. He told me some stories. Um, He told me about what happened when he told his siblings about me. Uh, He was actually at his son's wedding and he made copies of the letter. It happened to be like a week after I uh, initially contacted him. His son was getting married. Um, So he he decided it was a good time because they were all going to be together. They live all over the country and it was, they don't get together that often. So they were all going to be together for his son's wedding. And so he made copies of the letter and of the photos and called them all in the back room um, and gave it out. And they sat and they read it. He said his son had come into the room at one point and saw like everybody's face was kind of like, and it's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Nothing's wrong. Get out. It's not your <laughs> business. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Dad, right. Just tell me what's going on. You know, did someone die? The, so he ended up telling his kids and they were kind of like, oh, Okay. And that was it. You know, he, they, I don't think they had the shocked reaction that he thought they were going to have, but he did say that his, the other siblings were less shocked than he, he said, I must be just completely oblivious to everything because they didn't seem as surprised as I was when they read the letter. He said, but they're still kind of, you know, not. So no, the answer is no, nothing developed. Um, I would always be the one to initiate contact. He would answer questions that I asked of him. And I kind of got tired of being the one to, you know, reach out. So I didn't, um, you know, so I just stopped about a year ago. Mm. I sent him an email. I want to say June of 2020, uh, just kind of a, Hey, how you doing? You guys staying healthy? Do you have COVID? That kind of thing. And no, we're all good. I hope you well as well. And that was it. And I was like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not going to continue to put myself out here like that. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. So that was it. That was the last time I contacted them. Mm. Where do you feel like you're at with it now, emotionally and mentally? I think I'm good um, uh, for a number of reasons. I've actually met Aunt Jackie, the, the oldest sister. 
she, uh, on, at our first, the first time I met, I happened to be in Florida visiting uh, a friend and I rented a car and I drove, uh, it was like probably two and a half hours away, three hours away from where my friend was. And I drove up there, Ed was there and, uh, Ed and his wife. So we had a nice, we had a nice day. We had brunch, we had dinner, you know, so it was a, it was a nice day. The first thing she said to me when I walked in the door is she looked at me and said, Oh my God, you look just like my brother. Hmm. And when I was leaving, she, she gave me a hug. She said, don't you worry about those kids. You're our family now. Oh, that is so sweet. I know. Yeah. So, so we talk, um, I, I call, we talk about at least once a month, sometimes more often I've been to visit again. Uh, actually this year we went down, um, and stayed with, with them for about a week. Um, my aunt and, and my cousin. So it's been a great relationship. So I'm incredibly happy with that. I've met some cousins. I've been in contact with other cousins, you know, so the way I look at it now, um, because I'm going on almost 10 years of actually since I took the DNA test. So I've had a long time to kind of get used to it. So I'm, I'm in a good mental place with it. I figure I, I lived all these years without knowing who they were and without them in my life. And if they don't want to know me, that's their loss. Yeah. I, I have to ask, you know, what, what was it like being one of the first people? I mean, really, I mean, probably not the first NPE, right? Because this has been happening since the beginning of time, but one of the first ones to find out through a DNA test. What was that like? You know, I, I, I had that feeling of, oh my God, I'm the only person that this has ever happened to. I think a lot of people had that, like in the early days. I don't know if I should be embarrassed because I have nothing to be embarrassed about. But, you know, the way that we've described it uh, in our group is that it's just weird. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's weird. And, and, you know, like people have asked me, well, how do you feel about it? And it's like, I don't know how I feel about it. You know, it feels weird. You know, this man who raised me, I assume he didn't know. Um, but I really don't know. He might've, if he did good for him because he never treated me differently than my brother and sister that I'm aware of. Um, I've asked my sister if she thought I was treated differently and she said, no, as time has gone by, I do feel a sense of loss in that I could have had lots of cousins. I could have known my grandparents. I didn't know any of my grandparents. Um, I could have had siblings that weren't six, seven, nine years older than me. But on the other hand, had it been revealed to me, what would I have done with that information as a child? What would I have done with that information even as a younger adult? You know, my mom died in 1994. My dad died in 1990. When my mom was sick, I lived with her for about three months before she died so she, it was just the two of us. She had ample opportunity to tell me, but what am I going to do with that information in 1994? Nothing. Right. You know, there was really, you know, the internet was a baby. You know, we were all still on AOL in 1994, you know, CompuServe, you know. I would have liked to have known, but what would I have done with the information? Right. Like I had no way to get in touch with them. 
he didn't work at uh, at her company. I don't know when he left there. Uh, I know it got absorbed by a bigger corporation, and she didn't even work there past the early 70s. So I don't know when she lost touch with him. I don't know. She may have kept in touch with him all those years. I have no idea. If she did, she never said anything. What are your feelings towards your mom um, about this? You know, some people are angry at their parents. Some people are very understanding and, and consider the times. And where do you kind of fall with your feelings towards your mom? They've evolved over time. Um, at first, I was angry. First, I was, I was in disbelief. Like, the woman that I knew as my mom, that can't possibly be anything that happened. You know, I guess, I, I guess there's a possibility that it could have been non-consensual, but knowing what I know, uh, through stories and through, um, what people have told me, I don't think that that's, okay. um, uh, you know, I mean, obviously everybody has a side that other people don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but from what I've, what I've known, what I know and what I've come to know, about him, I don't think that that would be the case. He was very charming. He, everybody loved him. He was the life of the party, you know. Uh, so it was that kind of thing. There came a point in time, and I can't even say when, that as I thought about it, I decided that I didn't know my mother as a peer. I knew her as my mom. And everybody has stuff in their life and no matter who the person is none of that stuff is my business including mm -hmm. my mother mm -hmm. she may have been having marital problems with my dad I have no idea I have no idea so if she was and it caused her to step outside of her marriage that's none of my business mm -hmm. you know the bottom line is I'm here I, I wouldn't be here if if I belong to my dad, because <laughs> I just wouldn't. Right. You, you know, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be me. Uh, there, there might be another child of, of my parents, but it wasn't going to be me. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just biology. Right. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. So you've, you've been on this journey for a long time, longer than most. What are some things that have helped you? kind of come to a place of acceptance and process all of this information? I, I can say that being around other NPEs is amazingly helpful. Being um, in communication with uh, people who kind of know what it's like has been better than I think any therapist that I could have had. I was briefly in therapy, not for this, uh, for something else. And I brought it up to my therapist and the, the complete lack of understanding by her kind of really turned me off to therapy generally mm. because the, you know, the biggest question was, well, why do you want to contact these people? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> I'm compelled to do that. I can't give you an answer to that question. They're your relatives. They're where you, you know, come they're from. My, you know, they're, mm -hmm. they're where I come from. They're my heritage. They might not be my family in the, in the, you know, common sense of the word because I don't know them and they don't know me, but they, they are my family. And, 
you know, even if they're going to slam the door in my face, I need them to know that I exist. I can't say what drives the need, but there's a need. And, and, and I think in uh, a lot of ways, a lot of adoptees have that same drive, you know, the, the, the need for, they call, I, 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 there's a term for it and I can't think of it right now, but I never had any, I never had anyone that I looked like. Right. Uh, the genetic mirroring. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So the first time I saw anyone that I looked like was when I met Shannon. Mm-hmm. When she walked in, we, we met at a restaurant and she walked in the door and it was the first time in my life that I looked like anyone. The feeling that I felt, I, I can't even describe it. It was just like, oh my God, there's someone who looks like me. Right. That's powerful. You know, I never had it in my life until I was 56 years old. Wow. So um, it's just, um, I think the thing, like I said, that helped me the most was knowing that there are other people out there that I'm not alone and that they understand, even though their journey might be the same, as, might not be the same as mine, they understand it. You know, they understand how I feel, how I felt, you know, they understand the confusion, um, those beginning feelings of like, I, I, I don't even know what to do. You know, what do you, what do I do? How do I find out what has happened here? Mm-hmm. This has happened to me and I need to know why and how. So, I, I mean, I think if I, if I had to give advice to some of your listeners, I would say to seek out um, the, the groups of people that are in the same boat. Some people have asked me if I regret ever taking the test. I don't, I don't regret taking the test because honestly, even though I, I, I had a search for the answers as to where I came from, it did answer questions that I had um, growing up. What advice would you give to a parent who is hiding a DNA surprise from their child? Uh, I would say that they should tell their child, assuming the child is an adult, tell them as an adult, have sit down and say, look, this person is not your dad. That person is your dad. I don't know who your dad is because of whatever reason, none of your business, you know, that's none of your business. Honestly, I, you know, that's really nobody's business. Right. Um, but it is my business who he is and it's, it, it's your child's business where they came from. Mm -hmm. Um, and that they will be less angry at being told the truth at the earliest possible time. I never understood adoptee parents that don't tell their children that they're adopted. I, I, I've never understood that even before I was NPE. I, I think I have um, an inordinate number of adoptees in my, in my orbit. I know a lot mm-hmm. of people who have been adopted. Some people don't know anyone who's been adopted. I, my best friend is an adoptee. My cousin is now an adoptee. I have a lot of people in my, in my life who have, who are adopted and they all knew that they were always adopted. Um, and I think that the pain is minimized if I don't have to go to you. Unfortunately, I didn't have anyone to go to. Right. Um, but if, 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 if you're a mom and you have a secret, 
you don't have to tell anybody else, but you should tell the child that's impacted by that secret. Yeah. Because if you don't, they're going to find out and they're going to be pissed and they have every right to be pissed. So I, I would, I would say that tell, tell as soon as you can, because they're going to find out. Kind of going back to what you touched on earlier, what advice would you give someone who just found out they're an NPE? Take a deep breath. Don't do anything. Uh, don't act quickly. You know, a lot of people I've seen over the years, you know, they basically will, uh, they get a match and it might be a close match, a sibling, even a parent. And the first thing they do is, is, you know, write off an email or whatever and say, oh my God, I'm your sister. And, and that's, <laughs> and what happens is people say, oh no. And they just, they just close right up, you know, because nobody wants to find that out on either end, really. Nobody wants to find it out. So my advice would be to do nothing before you make any type of contact. Make sure that you have as much information as possible. If you're on Facebook, seek out NPE groups. The better groups, in my opinion, and I've been in a number of them, are with um, only NPEs. You know, there's groups that have a mixture of everybody, this family, there's um, NPEs, there's adoptees. And there's nothing wrong with those groups because mm -hmm. you can get, you know, you can, you can get a lot of good information and a lot of good support, but you also can get a lot of judgment mm -hmm. in those groups. Um, in the NPE only groups, you're going to find less of that. And it's good to be, uh, to kind of, be able to kind of spill your guts to people that know why you're feeling the way you feel, however that may be, whether it's anger, sadness, depression, whatever it is, um, the feelings come and go, you know, time does help, but it's good to seek out. Don't, don't isolate yourself because we're, we're, there are more of us out here and we're, we're waiting to help you. Oh, that's such so that, great that advice. would be. That would be, don't, don't do anything too fast. Yeah. Oh, thank you for but sharing find that. Us. <laughs> yes, but find us. Yes. Find us because yes. we're, we're here. We're waiting for you. Yes. Yes. Well, Annie, thank you so much for sharing your story. It was amazing to hear the journey of someone who's been at this for a really long time and to kind of see where you've ended up. I wish you the best of luck in continuing to build thank the you. relationships with the family that you have been able to connect with. And yeah, thank you for thank being you. on the show. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm glad. I, I hope I, even if I can help one person, that's, that's what I'm here for. Thanks again to Annie for sharing her story. If you have a DNA surprise that you'd like to share, please email dnasurprises at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Until next time.